reflecting on the way it is, uh, the mood. I find this usually a good way to start the day, become aware of just a general state of mind or mood, emotional condition that I am experiencing at this moment. As we wake up or we early in the morning, people are affected differently, you know, so we have, whether it's too cold or we couldn't sleep or we had strange dreams or whatever, the result is that this moment here and now, this general mood of the mind is like this. I find this a very important way to to remember to do this uh, because uh, I I know for myself it's easy to to get uh, caught up in perfunctory habitual behavior upon arising, just doing this, doing that, things that one is used to do all the time, and not particularly pay attention to the mood that I'm in, unless it's, uh, you know, an obviously heavy one. <coughs> it's not that one even has to define the mood, it is just to have that attention of observing, being the puto, the knower, rather than the person with the, with the mood. And that, just observing that, being able to accept whatever it is, whatever state of mind, mood that you're experiencing is the way it is. And notice how, you know, the, the ego or the sakyaditi always makes comments about it or, you know, we, we compound it. This word compounding, putting on to uh, the way it is. You know, our own views, opinions, preferences, judgments, criticisms. So as mindfulness, it's, we're, not in, we're not trying to compound or make it more than what it is, or criticize it or judge it, but to recognize it. That's the, this is like puto tamo sanko, the three refuges. So this Bhutang Sarnangachami is the simplicity of, of that is just this attentiveness, being the knowing, being that knowing in the present. It's like this. Not being the, the judge, which is then the ego comes up and says, oh, it's good, bad, peaceful, confused, whatever, and it puts a a term onto it, we, we describe it and judge it. <clears throat> so this is to, to develop this sense of just being this knowing rather than a person, um, you know, judging, criticizing. But recognize that tendency to do that is a very strong tendency. They have a bad mood, good mood, peaceful, excited, confused, dull. These are adjectives and they, they, they might describe quality. But notice that they're all about, in some way, a judgment of some sort. You're, we like the good, we want the happy, good, peaceful, and we don't want the dull, the heavy, the negative ones. 
but in our cultivating pavana of the path, then it's merely recognizing it's like this. This is the sense realm that we're in, being a human being, being the, the, the karma that we have at this moment. It's, this is the way it is. It's like this. So our, we're resting in knowing rather than, than in being somebody who judges, criticizes, compounds, labels. So the sense of Bhutto, being pure consciousness before you become an individual, a person, personality. So it's like listening, attentiveness, being the knowing Bhutto, knowing Dhamma, rather than uh, somebody knowing about the world. So when we, when we operate from the conditioning, then we're, we're individuals, we're personalities, uh, we have tendencies that we identify with, we have horoscopes, we have uh, views and opinions, uh, on and on like this, so we we become all kinds of things, conditioned phenomena, and then we, we create the world with that. That's our world that we live in, is what we create. So the world in the, in the Buddhist sense is a creation. It's a, can be, you know, a, worlds can change. They're happy, miserable, like this, but the knowing is not, doesn't depend on the world being a happy world. It's not diminished by the world being miserable one. So that's why this sati sampachanya, sati panya, puto, knowing the reality, dhamma, knowing the real, is like this. And then Dhamma is, is all the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, unoriginated. But when we forget that, and we don't recognize it, then we are with the born, the created, the originated. That's the world the world that we live in, that we suffer from. <clears throat> and that each one of us creates our own world. We, we assume we're all living in the same world, but in reality, you know, we, we each have our own uh, creations. How I see things at this moment, my personal preferences, biases, tendencies, values, are not going to be the same as yours. And this assumption, isn't it, that we're all living in the same world and we, we experience things the same way when, when it's an obvious, obvious that we don't. And that's why uh, the relationship between human beings can be so difficult because we we expect the, that we're, we we assume we make this assumption that we're all like in the same world when we're not. But this uh, refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha then is this is where it's it's one it's a 
It's unity, it's unicity, it's complete. And that can only be recognized, you can't create that. You know, you your ego, your desires, your, you can't create a united world. <clears throat> because the world is all about differences, separation, different karmas, attitudes, and so many things affecting each one of us at this moment on a personal condition level. We never kind of sort it out so we're all thinking the same thing and have the same view at the same moment. And so the, the um, point the Buddha made in his teaching is we're not seeking uh, to be a kind of on the condition plane the same, but to find that unity, to recognize and to trust in that unity that we can only recognize through awareness. The unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginated. The unconditioned. Dhamma, amata dhamma. Then Sangha is uh, Supatipano Ujupatipano. It's, uh, those who practice this, who cultivate this path, and those individual human beings here and now that are mindful, worthy of gifts, worthy of offerings, worthy of respect. The eight pair, the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings, the, the traditional chants. So that this, uh, you know, how far you want to take this uh, Buddha Dhamma Sangha paradigm is up to you. But I mean, this is like a, how to use a tradition as a, a useful tool. It's an expedient means. I'm not, you know, not into this position of saying our tool is the right one and, and, you know, it's not judging right or wrong and putting down other religions or other ways of practice. But it's like deba developing skill with the convention that we have here, you know, so it's how to use this convention, this Theravada Buddhism, Pali Buddhism for how to use it skillfully and not become a Theravadan Buddhist or a, you know commit it to because once we we commit ourselves to a convention out of ignorance then we are caught in the usual turmoil of views and opinions uh, about you know preferences and and biases and prejudices that arise from being attached to a condition, looking at all other conditions from a bias, from a particular angle or a view that we personally prefer or are bound into, attached to. But with awareness, it's not, it's not about having a view about anything. It's not forming uh, things and, uh, you know, judging conventions is the best or the worst or right or wrong. It's uh, the, this is the convention that we have here and what we use. But how we use it is not, it's not meant to be uh, something that, that creates more delusions and identities and attachments. So how do we use a convention? Is uh, by making it work for us. By, by it's a reminder. Like this morning, when I I come into the, the temple, 
I usually go over to uh, the uh, shrine for Lumpur Cha and light the candles, incense, and bow. It's a, it's a, it's a, is this right or wrong or good or bad? It is what it is. But it is, uh, you know, it's a way of starting the day, of respecting the teacher. If I start going on to the, you know, Lung Po Cha is the great teacher, he's better than any other teacher, then that gets into, you know, my personal uh, ignorant views. <clears throat> You know, I've got to make my teacher the best teacher. Uh, you know, that is uh, definitely Sakya Ditti. <coughs> but using the effigy of Lumpur Cha, candles, lighting candles, incense, it's just beautiful gestures, gracious gestures, mindfully performed, way to, to live one's life in the, the Samana life. Then lighting the candles and incense at the, the main shrine, the Buddha. Then there's the relics, the uh, Buddha relics on the shrine. All these, and these are sacred relics in that reliquary. And that, you know, then the, then the Western mind comes in, are they really relics of the Buddha or is, it, is this just superstition. So we can get caught into our critical mind, doubting, thinking it's all hocus-pocus. We might form, you know, strong views, we don't believe in relics. Or maybe we'll believe relics. We think they're, they're powerful. We can project onto that reliquary all kinds of supernatural powers and, and, and great significance. But in terms of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, it's a, it's whatever it is, just the giving it that position, a, a central position, calling it Buddha relics. It, it's a reminder to me of Puto Tamo Sanko. So it's not up to me personally to decide whether they're the real thing or not, or whether it's really, is this old kind of superstitious, uh, superstition in Buddhism, or, or is this, are they, is it just, uh, you know, make-believe, or is it real? Is it necessary to go into that? The point is, using this tradition, this uh, form, is not about, uh, you know, forming views about it, uh, but to be able to see the views that we do form about it from this position of puto tammo sankho. But whatever way you feel about tradition, Vinaya, Theravada Buddhism, Buddha relics, statues of teachers, golden images. The important thing is to see that, to be able to see your own kind of reaction, whether you think it's important or it's rubbish, it's superstition, it's sacred, we have to have it or it's not necessary, it's the, the Buddha there were no Buddha Rupas at the time of the Buddha, we can go into that one. So we, Buddha Rupas came afterwards, they're taken out of Hinduism or something, you know, I've heard all kinds of views about Buddha Rupas, Buddha relics, both those that project all kinds of holiness and sacred uh, conditions onto them or that just have views that there's not the real Dhamma, that's just superstition. But what we can know, and what I'm encouraging you to do, is be aware of it. It is what it is, you know, whatever emotion arises, for or against or indifferent, it's like this. 
and then within a tradition we conform to the tradition. So we're not here to to try to change it or to to uh, make it different, but to uh, you know, if we agree to live here, then the agreement is to conform to this tradition. So we can observe. You know, we're not here to try to reform the condition, the uh, tradition. So it is uh, an agreement that, that if we take on this life here at Amavati in this tradition, then we, we conform to it. <clears throat> not out of tyranny or stupidity, but so that this is, you know, we, we aren't spending our time uh, fussing, worrying about the form criticizing, wanting it to be different, or changing it, or views, have, believing our own views and opinions about it, but being able to let this form reflect for us our own tendencies, loves, hates, fears, desires. So it is like its foundation is morality, you know, our relationship to each other is a moral one, not personal. It doesn't, we're not here to, to engage each other as friends and personalities and all the rest, but samanas. <clears throat> Finding that we, the way we relate on the worldly level is through the Vinaya through the moral precepts, so our relationship is a trusting one where we we know we're not you know the celibate life the uh, the determination to be honest and so forth is is our intention relating to each other in this way in the in the conventional form of uh, Buddhist Sangha. Supatipano then is practicing, cultivating awareness. It's not becoming a monk or a nun, it's about cultivating. Cultivating then it, it means uh, remembering. Not me trying to cultivate the Buddhist path, but remembering the puto tamo sanko. Now listening to the sounds of the morning, the birds waking up. So reflecting on, we, we, li we hear this, I find, pleasant sound. Sounds of the dawn of the morning. But that which is aware of the sounds of the birds, So we can just indulge in the, maybe we like the sound, maybe we, we don't, I don't know. It's a, sometimes people find even the sound of birds uh, disturbing their tranquility. But if we're being mindful, um, then we reflect that, it, that this, the conditions for this are present. listening, conscious listening, attention, and, the, and then the object is the sound of the birds.
So that is, you know, the, that which is aware. If I start indulging in, isn't that beautiful? I, I love that. I just, I love uh, springtime when the, hear the birds singing, the flowers blooming, and I, when we get carried away into maybe personal uh, views about springtime. But in this reflective mode, as reflecting that which is aware of that. It's conscious. We're not, we're not creating it into some kind of personal thing anymore by indulging in, isn't it beautiful and whatnot, but just noticing attention to something that has arisen on its own. It's like this. This attention, that which listens, which is aware. Before you, you go into your own personal uh, liking or disliking of it, or ignoring it. Now during this <clears throat> time also there'll be the, the workmen um, here uh, during the day uh, we're trying to finish off the the uh, heating system in the uh, entrances and the vestries and so forth so whatever it is if it's uh, irritating uh, banging uh, whatever noisy uh, sound that we, you know, we're sitting here and they, they're at work. Investigate that, you know, because we, we can get into, uh, we've got to stop those workmen because it interferes with the retreat kind of view. <clears throat> but if that's, you know, if that's the reaction we have to it, then be aware of it as a, as a, emotional reaction, being averse, not wanting to be like this, uh, not wanting to be disrupted by unpleasant sounds. And, and just, you know, so that we're using this retreat, not, we're not trying to, to uh, it's not here to, we're trying to get anything out of it, it's some kind of, we've got to control it, make the birds shut up, Tell the workmen to go away. Is uh, is you know the mindset of control freaks. <clears throat> so we don't want to be you know we're not here to to try to control it, but to use the way it is. Whether it pleases us or doesn't is not the issue. It is like this. So then, you know, it's like listening to the bird song. It's reflecting that which is aware of the bird song. Is puto, this awareness. The same would apply, say, if, if the noise from workmen. This awareness is what? what we, what I encourage you to recognize, to really notice. It's this, just this attentive, broad spectrum, all-encompassing awareness, which includes everything, whether it's pleasant sound of birdsong in the morning or noisy cacophonous sounds of workmen repairing the, the heating system. It's not about seeking, you know, holding on to the beautiful and trying to get rid of the ugly, but it's a refuge is in this awareness which is, has no boundary, it includes both pleasant, unpleasant, good, bad, right, wrong. 
Now this is like supatipano, practicing in the right way. The control freak mode is not supatipano, you know. Shut up and don't bother me is not is not pawana. It's uh, you know it's certainly you know it's me trying to control the situation because I I only want that which I like around me. I don't want anything disruptive, unpleasant around me at this moment. That's uh, sakyaditi. Now this knowing, but this, these, these categories of Sakya Diti, Silabhata Brahmasa, Vichikecha, the first three fetters, they're merely expedient means of being able to have a agreed vocabulary. Sakya Diti is, a, you know, a poly word, personality view, just a helpful way of reflecting. What is Sakya Diti? Sakyaditi is when I start grasping my feelings. So in the sound of the bird song, I just love the song of birds in the springtime, is that can be Sakyaditi, you know, where that's where I kind of go into ecstasy over what some beautiful, something pleasant to the ear. Or it's Sakyaditi when I uh, I, I don't want these workmen to make so much noise and we should stop them till the retreat's over. That, that's Sakya Ditti. But awareness of that feeling, of I, I don't like, I don't want those workmen to make any noise, is like this. Awareness is not Sakya Ditti. So you can discern the difference. Sakyaditi is when I commit myself to my view that I don't like, I don't want those workmen to make any noise while I'm meditating is like this. If I just see it, observe it, then it's not Sakyaditi anymore. It's the way it is, it's Dhamma. So just to to recognize that this, this mindfulness it, it includes, it's all inclusive, it's not exclusive. When we get into our critical faculties, then we, we divide everything. The critical mind is, is about division, separation, differences, right and wrong, what is the best or the worst. That's the, the conditioned realm in its various qualities, in our own particular emotional views, opinions, uh, habits around the conditions that we're experiencing. So the, then the sakyaditi is then the, the, the blind attachment to these views. But being able to see sakyaditi, that which is aware of sakyaditi is not that. Awareness of the ego is, is not the ego. And so this, to, to affirm this, to really discern this, know this, appreciate this ability each one of us has to discern the, the sound of the bird and the awareness of that. If you pay attention to the to the body, is I encourage that uh, body, b- awareness of the body, because the body is an obvious condition, not nothing subtle about it. And uh, and since awareness includes everything, the body is included. You know, they're not trying to, to ignore it or escape from it, but to include it, the body, the breath, mental state, the sensory impingement, pleasant or painful. So, so many of us are quite mentally 
conditioned, you know, to to li to create our mental worlds which we live in, where the body can be kind of ignored or dismissed. And so this is like Gayanu Pasana Satipatthana, the four in the four foundations of mind. The first one is the Gayanu Pasana, the um, meditation on the body. The four postures. In other words, the movements, the the energetic uh, realities of a physical body that that one can recognize if you pay attention. The sensations of it in the present, this this sensitive form, feeling something or other, heat or cold, pressure pain, whatever, and the sensations that you're experiencing now, that which is aware, the awareness, and the, and, uh, the body is, this, is like this. <coughs> then I, <coughs> when I do this kind of reflection, then more and more, the body is is, is uh, I'm aware of it. It is is in the consciousness. Then it's not just pushed aside, ignored. I can be aware of it, of any tensions, tenseness, painfulness, pressures, all that 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 uh, I begin to recognize. And the the point is when we recognize this, then we we can always try to get rid of the pain or the pressure or the tension. But I encourage you to just accepting it the way it is. If you're feeling tense, uh, don't, don't say, I should relax, but just accept the tension it belongs, if that's what's present at this moment. Pain, uh, discomfort, heat or cold, just uh, to to develop the sense of of this broad spectrum of acceptance of the way it is, where everything belongs. Whether it doesn't matter whether it's good, bad, right, or wrong. It's like this. The body has its because it is heavy and coarse. It, it's it's uh, is, we have to live with it uh, for this lifetime. So it can be useful if used skillfully. Whatever condition your body's in at this moment, you can use it unskillfully or skillfully. That's up to you. But skillfully then implies this acceptance of it. It's not. Unskillfully is trying to get rid of this and change this and, and coming from views about how you'd like to be or how you, you want your body to be or maybe you don't like your body, you just like to forget it and then live in a mental world. But it is, it is uh, you know, an obvious real condition at this moment and the opportunity then is living within this this body until it uh, dies, a natural death. <clears throat> so you know how to how to use this this uh, condition skillfully. So with mindfulness, then it's not about trying to make the body perfect. Or trying to escape the body by uh, refusing to notice it, by creating a whole mental world that has nothing to do with the body, but to open to it so that this moment awareness includes the body in whatever condition it is at this very moment. This is the way it is. Sound of the birds, 
the body, the breath, the mood, the emotional mood that that's present is like this. See, so this is like ex, uh, allowing things to be what they are. Even if you know, and if you don't like, it doesn't mean you like it, or there's no should about should or shouldn't. It's just really to trust yourself more to to open to life, to be fully present, being this knowing, being fully conscious. And whatever enters your consciousness at this at this moment, it belongs. You know, whether it's a thought, or emotion, uh, sensation through the senses, And of course, this this is uh, what real sadha, in the Pali word sadha, faith or trust, is. It's it's a it's not a kind of fatalistic negative thing. It's an opening, receptive, allowing the conditions to be what they are, rather than being somebody who's always trying to sort them out get rid of the bad and hold on to the good. <clears throat> We're not trying to become happy and fulfilled people. Now that's not our goal, is to, to find happiness and be fulfilled as a person. The person will never find that. Fulfillment and, and any lasting happiness we can have happy moments as a person, but they don't last very long. <laughs> and so the point of the holy life isn't to, to find happiness and fulfill ourselves, but to break through the illusions. Within this, within this uh, you know, we have this opportunity, a human lifetime, to um, do this. Don't put it off till uh, next year. <laughs> and this, this is a really good opportunity, this retreat. So, you know, that's the whole aim, it's the purpose is for this, for enlightenment. Like consciousness and light are really amount to the same thing, isn't it? So light, consciousness, Not sunlight, not, not, not about the light you can see when the, when the sun's out or the electric lights are on, but consciousness, when you, when you contemplate, it's, it's light. It's pure, it's not me, it's not sakyaditi, it's not about me being enlightened or being anything. It is, it's just natural, it's dhamma, it's the way it is. So it's in recognizing, it's like this. Because whether you're aware, and awake or not, or aware or not, it's, it's still, it, you know, everything is the way it is. It's perfect, perfection, complete union, unicity, oneness now. And it's always this is the this is the truth. This is Dhamma. But out of ignorance, we forget that, so we get caught up in our condition conditioning, our loves and hates, greed, hatred, and delusion, cultural conditioning, personality views, preferences, prejudices, uh, all like that. And they get very complicated and convoluted. So, as we well know, we live in a society that uh, has created endless complications on the conditioned level. The information age, a time where you, know, you, can, you can get information about almost everything, 
on your computer. So, I mean, it's a, it's a magical time for conditioning. <clears throat> now, how to put that conditioning in its proper place so that we're not, we're not becoming addicts to computers or just having to accumulate endless useless information or just caught in habitual behavior, helpless victims of our habits. That, because that's sometimes how it feels. On a personal level, you feel kind of victim of life, or kind of, you know, trapped in a realm that you don't like, fear, anxiety, <clears throat> worry. So then there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginated. Therefore there's the escape from it. And the, that escape from the, the escape from the born, the created, the originated, the conditioned, escape is what? The escape then is not suppressing the conditions not in running away from them, but from recognizing them. It's, it's rec waking to reality, to the real, where the conditions then are no longer our blind attachment, our identity. We're no longer limiting ourselves to habitual behavior, the ego, sakya ditti, cultural habits, emotional habits, thinking habits, So that, then that we, that that's the way we realize or recognize oneness. Which is perfect, complete. It's not, not about having to do anything or become anything, but awakening. And that's the kind of magic of being a human being, is that we have this this ability, very clearly proclaimed by the Buddha 2,552 years ago in India. Amazingly wise teaching. It's not New Age um, views about anything. It's an ancient teaching. This is, the ancients knew this. The sages So it's not the conceit of new age, we're, we're somehow smarter and more advanced than ancient India or whatever. I mean, that's cultural conceit, isn't it? Where we, we think we're so much more advanced than in those uh, primitive days, ancient times. Because this teaching isn't about ancient times or modern, and not about progress or or civilization advancing, it's about seeing things as they are. Discerning that this is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. And by recognizing it, then we have a this, this broad spectrum, this vast, unlimited, boundless oneness to recognize the conditions. Subtle ones, coarse ones, whatever they might be, whatever arises in your consciousness uh, during the day and night, the awareness of it, relationship to it is recognizing, not judging, So it's a, a metta, you know, acceptance of even the, the, the miserable. It's not a passive fatalistic acceptance, but it, it's allowing the miserable, the painful, the ugly to be what it is. So that it, it, you know, it's nature's, it, it's impermanent, it's not self. So you see the sense of being 
within this limitation of a human body, human individual, is, is like a trap being imprisoned, incarcerated in a, in a sensitive form, in a continuously relentless, inexorable, impinging attack on the senses for a lifetime. When you put it into those kind of terms, it feels rather, you know, I want to become a drug addict or just forget the whole world. I want to live in a world uh, where I can at least have illusions most of the time. Or the awakening to it, where we're no longer seeing it in terms of fear or approval or disapproval, but through the wisdom of discernment. So during the today, just uh, try to conform as best you can to the uh, schedule, and then to to really uh, this is this is a very the sense of trusting. Uh, I find very important because on a personal level we don't trust ourselves. You know, we, we see ourselves oftentimes through the critical ego. We see ourselves always in terms of not being, you know, being something rather, a condition that we, we fully committed to our belief uh, that we're this way or we're not advanced or we're, you know, we've got to do something now to get something in the future. But, so this isn't trusting the, what the ego tells you, but Trusting this intuitive awareness, this is simplicity of being here and now, and uh, reminding yourself because it's so easy to forget. 